Homecoming. WNBA star Brittany Griner is back after a prisoner swap for a notorious Russian arms dealer. Welcome home, Brittany. What does this mean for future negotiations? I'll speak to Roger Karstens, the U.S. Special Envoy for Hostage Affairs who brought Griner home. And vote count. Senate Democrats celebrate a big win and a potential setback. I've registered as an Arizona independent. How will this play out in the new Congress? Independent Senator Bernie Sanders is here exclusively. Plus, power player. She's the woman helping President Biden strike congressional deals. I see my job and thinking of the job really as kind of a conductor. How will she work with the Republican House majority? White House Director of Legislative Affairs Louisa Terrell coming up. I'm Dana Bash in Washington, where the State of Our Union is thankful. Thankful that an American detained in a Russian penal colony is finally home. You're looking at new pictures of Brittany Griner, the WNBA superstar who touched down on American soil early Friday morning. She reunited with her wife, Sherelle, and was taken immediately for a medical evaluation. President Biden celebrated her return and now faces questions about his decision to trade convicted Russian arms dealer Victor Boot in exchange for the WNBA star. And the American left behind in Russia, Paul Whelan, who has been held prisoner there for nearly four years. My guest now is working to free Whelan and dozens of Americans held hostage in other foreign nations, and he has a pretty good track record. Special envoy, special presidential envoy, I should say, for hostage affairs, Roger Carstens, helped secure Griner's release and was there to greet her and bring her home. Thank you so much for joining me uh, this morning. What uh, an ordeal and what a saga. Let's start with the sort of the personal. You flew to the to UAE. You welcomed her on the tarmac. Um, what was the moment like for both of you and what was it like for her more specifically? Uh- it's always kind of a, uh, an exciting moment when you jump on the other uh, country's plane and walk up to an, a person, in this case, Brittany. And I'll tell you what I told her. I said, uh, Brittany, my name is Ambassador Roger Carstens. I'm with the U.S. Department of State. On be- and on behalf of the President of the United States, Joe Biden, and Secretary of State, Tony Blinken, I'm here to take you home. Mm. And at that moment, I think uh, every person finally starts to realize that it's going to happen. It's setting in. Certainly, Brittany felt that way. And at that point, we have to go through a little more of the choreography to get her on the plane. It usually takes about three minutes. But here's what I wouldn't mind telling you. When she finally got onto the U.S. plane, I said, Brittany, you must have been through a lot over the last 10 months. Uh, here's your seat. Please feel free to decompress. We'll give you your space. And she said, oh, no, I've been in prison for 10 months now listening to Russian. I want to talk. But first of all, who are these guys? And she moved right past me and went to every member on that crew looked them in the eyes, shook their hands, and asked about them, got their names, making a personal connection with them. It was really amazing. And then later on, on an 18-hour flight, she probably spent 12 hours just, just talking. And we talked about everything under the sun, and I was left with the impression that this is an intelligent, passionate, compassionate, humble, interesting person, a patriotic person, but above all, authentic. Uh, I, I hate the fact that I had to meet her in this manner, but I actually felt blessed having had a chance to get to know her. You said that she wanted to talk. Did she talk specifically about the experience she in did. a Russian penal colony? She did. Uh, I'd hate to steal her thunder because it's, it's her story to tell. But uh, she, she spoke at length about what it was like to go undergo that uh, 10-month ordeal. Just 
going back to the first thing you said, when you shook her hand and you said that you were there to take her home, did she know, obviously she was on a plane, mm-hmm. so she knew something was happening. Did she know for sure she was being freed before that moment? At that point, she did. Um, The the Russians, just like the United States, has to go through certain administrative procedures. At a certain point, it uh, kind of becomes evident that something's happening. And then usually uh, when the Russians pick up someone from their prison cell, in this case, Brittany, they give her a sense that she's going home that day. What's that like to be the person to shake someone's hand and welcome them back to America after they've been wrongly held? It's humbling. Um, it, it, I'm very grateful that uh, President Biden allows me a chance to do this job. Uh, it's also a painful job. Uh, so when you get this chance to shake someone's hands, it's one of those rare moments that you get to celebrate a victory. But know this, even as we're welcoming someone home, we still have work to do. So as I'm shaking Brittany's hands and we're taking to the aircraft and having this great conversation, my brain's already thinking about Paul Whelan. Mm-hmm. What can we do to get him back? What's our next move? What's the strategy? How can we adapt? And I want to ask you that in one second. Just quickly, how's her physical health? Um, she, she looks great. I mean, she was uh, full of energy, looked fantastic. She's uh, in Fort Sam Houston right now undergoing some, some medical evaluations, but she seems to be just fine. Okay, so let's talk about uh, Paul Whelan. Mm-hmm. What options realistically do you have to bring him home? I would love to tell you about it because to me they're very exciting and interesting, but we have to, in these negotiations, because they're ongoing, we usually have to keep our cards close to our chest. But are there cards? Uh, uh, there, there's always cards. Uh, the options are always being evaluated. Uh, We have to adapt at times. Uh, But here's the thing I'd like to leave you with. Uh, We have an ongoing open dialogue with the Russians, and we have the commitment of this president and my office, certainly, to bring Paul Whelan home. To my mind, and I talked to Paul, by the way, I may may not have mentioned this, but I talked to him on Friday, the day after the swap. And here's what I told him. I said, Paul, you have the commitment of this president, the president's focused, the secretary of state's focused, I'm certainly focused, and we're going to bring you home. And I reminded him, I said, Paul, when you were in the Marines and I was in the Army, they always reminded you, keep the faith. And I said, keep the faith, we're coming to get you. Because I want uh, our viewers to listen to something. He actually called our colleague Jennifer Hansler from the Russian prison. And here's what he said to her. I'm greatly disappointed that more has not been done to secure my release. I'm happy that Brittany is going home today and that Trevor went home when he did. But I don't understand why I'm still sitting here. What's it like to hear that? I'm guessing he said similar to you. He did. He shared his frustration, and I explained uh, him to him that, Paul, this was a case where it was either one or none. Uh, we weren't able to get you out on this go-around. We could not get the deal with the Russians. Uh, but had we not made the deal, then Brittany would not have come home. There was no opportunity to bring you home at this time. But, Paul, we're coming for you. And what do you say to people like... Uh, Senator Bob Menendez, who's the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee, one of the president's fellow Democrats, who said that making that swap with Victor Boot was deeply disturbing. He said, we must stop inviting dictatorial and rogue regimes to use Americans overseas as bargaining chips. Um, Do you, I guess, how do you respond to his argument that this sends a message to hostile countries that all they need to do is kidnap an American to get what they want? Well, I'd say that um, it's important to to note that um, people that are held overseas are important to us. And that's kind of the uh, where I'd say I start when I look at the question morally. Was it bad to trade someone like Victor Boot? I think the question is, it's horrific to leave an American wrongfully detained in a foreign jail cell. Is it going to incentivize Um, other bad actors? Let me say this. But there are bad actors. We used to say the, uh, the other side gets a vote. And in this case, it's hard to keep these dictators and these dictatorial governments, as uh, uh, Chairman Menendez said, from taking Americans and trying to use them as bargaining chips. 
But this is precisely why this summer the president signed an executive order that provides us with new tools to, to add a deterrence effect. And additionally, uh, Secretary Blinken has been working with other countries to try to create a multilateral coalition that can put this, I guess you could say this, this uh, using Americans as wrongful, wrongfully as bargaining chips, rather, to put that on the dustbin well, of history. So well, let me ask you about that, because he did sign, the president did sign an executive order. And what it does is it authorizes sanctions and visa bans mm-hmm. against people responsible for wrongly, uh, wrongfully detaining Americans. As far as we can tell, it hasn't been used. Why not? It hasn't yet. Uh, I'll say this much. Sometimes you, you might be working with the country and you might have hostages that you have to keep working out. It may not be the right time and place to use a sanctioning authority. But believe me, we're working on, on target packages right now. It's something that we discuss all the time. And it's not going to be too long before you see something rolled out. Well, for example, the, uh, there's an African Leaders Summit here in Washington uh, coming up. The State Department says that the uh, president of Rwanda is wrongly, wrongfully detaining an American. Will it be used then? These are, these are decisions that we're constantly reevaluating and talking about. I'd hate to get into future uh, talks about that because these are things that are constantly under uh, negotiation. And I'll just leave it at that if I may. I, I want to ask about just the other families and the other hostages mm-hmm. who are out there or people who are wrong, wrongfully detained. The James Foley Foundation says that there are at least 60 Americans wrongfully detained. One of them is Austin Tice who is a former a journalist and a former Marine. He was kidnapped in Syria more than a year ago. I know you personally traveled to Syria. Any update on his situation? Is he possibly going to come home soon? We're still working on it. But uh, again, hate to get into negotiations and things that we're currently doing. But uh, as I've often told Deborah Tice, his mother, uh, I'm optimistic. I think there are always paths forward that allow us to, to get an opportunity to bring someone like Austin home. Well, you have uh, helped bring home 15 Americans who were wrongfully detained or held hostage in nine months. Uh, That's a pretty good track record. And we thank you so much for your service and for coming on and telling the story. Thank you for having me on today. Appreciate it. Thank you. And Senator Kirsten Sinema told CNN this week she is no longer a Democrat. Independent Senator Bernie Sanders will respond next. And she's President Biden's behind-the-scenes point person on Capitol Hill, and now she's pulling back the curtain in her first television interview. That's coming up. Welcome back to State of the Union. Senate Democrats kicked off their week with a big victory when Senator Raphael Warnock won his re-election in Georgia. But the week ended with a new wrinkle when Senator Kirsten Sinema announced that she's leaving the Democratic Party to become an independent. Take a listen to the senator explaining more about her decision in a brand new clip from her interview with my co-host, Jake Tapper. When you look at your voting record and the issues that are important to you, as spelled out on your website, most of them are traditional Democratic issues, capital capital D, uh, expanding health care access, abortion rights, LGBTQ rights, um, path for dreamers, and on and on, Uh, environmentalism, uh, green energy. That sounds like a Democrat to me, no? Well, I know this is really hard for lots of folks, especially in DC, but what's important to me is to to not be tethered by the partisanship that dominates politics today. And I think Americans are tired of it. I think Arizonans are tired of it. 
What I'm interested in is working on all those issues that you just mentioned that I care deeply about and that I believe my constituents care deeply about. But I want to work on them in a way that is productive, that is free from the trappings of the pull of the political system. You know, the national political parties have pulled our politics farther to the edges than I've ever seen. I want to remove some of that, kind of that poison from our politics. I want to get back to actually just working on the issues, working together to try and solve these challenges. And one of the big complaints I hear from conservatives and Republicans is Democrats just don't take border security seriously. They just don't. Um, do you agree with that sentiment? And do you think there is an actual path forward there? Democrats are still going to have the majority in the next Senate. You can still get this on the floor of the Senate if you want. Well, as a native Arizonan who was born and raised near the southern border, I can tell you unequivocally that the federal government has failed its duty in the last 40 years. Not just Democrats. Not, it's just everyone. The federal government has failed here. And places like Arizona, front lines of this crisis, have been paying the price every single day since then. So for us, this isn't just a talking point of Team A versus Team B. This is our life every day. The reality is, is that when folks say, you know, we've got to just provide a legal path to citizenship for dreamers, which I support wholeheartedly, these kids are Americans in all but name. So when folks say we've got to do that, I agree. And when folks say we've got to secure the border, of course I agree. You know, my state is suffering from the failure to do so for 40 years. So this is a perfect example of why I'm so frustrated with partisanship that has gripped our nation and the parties are pulling folks away. It's not either or, it's and. Both of those concerns are real and valid. And we as a government have a duty to solve both of those concerns. You're up for re-election in 2024. Uh, this move means, I suppose, that you're not gonna be running in the Democratic primary for the Senate seat? Well, I, again, I know this will probably be disappointing to folks, but I'm actually not even thinking about electoral politics or talking about that at all right now. But doesn't this increase the likelihood that your run for re-election will be tougher because you will not only have a Republican opponent, you may even have a Democratic opponent? You know, I don't make decisions based on what the easy road or the tough road is. I have always tried to make decisions based on what I think is right. And for me, it's very important that we have a discussion at home in Arizona and here in the nation's capital about reducing the partisanship and just focus on solving the challenges that we face in America. The challenges we face are great. They're significant. We cannot solve them by using partisan attacks. We cannot solve them through a partisan lens. And I want to be a part of having that discussion and showing that there is a different way. Would you ever run for president? No. Never? I don't want to be president. There are two independents who already caucus with the Democrats, Bernie Sanders of Vermont and Angus King of Maine. Lisa Murkowski, uh, who's a Republican, but ran uh, in a previous election as an independent, um, is also uh, you know, somebody who, whose independence is no, noted. Are, the, are those three models at all for what you're doing? Are there other independents, Teddy Roosevelt, in the Bull Moose Party, is there anyone you look to as, as, a, as a guide, as a mentor, as a role model when it comes to what you're doing? You know, Jake, it probably won't surprise you when I tell you I'm not trying to be like anyone else. 
what I'm trying to do is be true to my values and the values of my state. So, you know, I think everyone should make their own decisions about where they fit or where they don't fit. Um, I'm going to keep doing exactly what I do, which is just stay focused on the work, you know, and ignore all the noise. Here with me now is somebody who knows a thing or two about going his own way, independent Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont. Senator, uh, first, you are an independent. She is now the third official independent of the U.S. Senate, uh, joining you and Angus King of Maine. What do you think of her decision and also what you just heard in her interview with Jake? I don't want to spend a whole lot of time uh, on Senator Sinema. She has her reasons. Uh, Donna, I happen to suspect that it's probably a lot to do uh, with politics back in Arizona. I think uh, the Democrats there are not all that enthusiastic about somebody who helps sabotage some of the most important legislation that protects the interests uh, of working families and voting rights and and so forth. So I think it really has to do with her uh, political aspirations uh, for the future in Arizona. But for us, I think nothing much has changed in terms of the functioning of the U.S. Senate. The good news is that we now have uh, 51 votes. We'll have a majority on committees. It means that we can go forward and start protecting the interests of working families and deal with the reality that we are increasingly living in an oligarchy uh, where the billionaire class and large corporations uh, control almost every aspect of our country. So I would hope very much that with this new majority, Democrats will sit down and start fighting for the needs of ordinary Americans. So I want to talk about some of those issues in a second. But first, you know, you were a very important figure on the campaign trail for progressives ahead of the midterms, as you normally are. I'm sure you're going to be campaigning for candidates in 2024. The outgoing Arizona Democratic Party official, uh, one of them says that he expects Democrats will run their own candidate against her. Is that a good idea? Would you support a Democratic opponent against Senator Sinema? I, I don't... I support progressive candidates all over this country, people who have the guts to take on powerful special interests. I don't know what's going to be happening in Arizona. We'll see who they nominate, but certainly that's something I will take a hard look at. Does she have the guts to take on powerful special interests? No, she doesn't. She is a corporate Democrat uh, who has, in fact, along with Senator Manchin, sabotaged enormously important legislation. I want to talk about a major deadline to fund the government. That is... Friday. There's still no deal. Would you support another short-term extension instead of a larger bill to fund the government? And how worried are you about the government shutting well, short term, down? Short-term extensions are just a temporary solution mm-hmm. to the ongoing crisis we face. Uh, clearly, what I worry about is Republican efforts uh, to hold hostage next year, if we don't get an omnibus bill passed, uh, to hold, uh, hold hostage uh, the, the government uh, in order to cut Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid, and that I will vigorously oppose. you got a lot of seniors out there who are not making it on Social Security today. A lot of working people have, who are re- approaching retirement who have nothing in the bank. Uh, I don't want to see Social Security or Medicare cut. I will oppose that vigorously. You know, while I have you, uh, you've been in Congress a, a long time, the House before the Senate. There certainly have been some notable bipartisan pieces of legislation that have passed and been signed into law. But Arguably, funding the government is up there, maybe even the top responsibility of of you and your fellow members of Congress. Why does this keep happening? 
Well, I think it's happening right now uh, because Republicans see it as an opportunity uh, to hold us hostage and get demands that under normal circumstances uh, they would not. Look, they have uh, not been shy about making it clear. Uh, They want to cut Social Security. They want to cut Medicare. They want to cut Medicaid. And what they're saying is, hey, we are prepared to allow the United States government to default on our payments bring the entire world, perhaps, into an economic crisis, Senator, I was, unless you give us yeah, uh, I, what you want. I hear what you're saying about the, the differences right now, but over the past many years, Democrats and Republicans in charge, funding the right. government has just not happened, and we've been at this crisis point at the end of, uh, at the, end of the year so, so many times. But I want to move on to some, uh, a couple more issues that I know that you care about. One is uh, the record-breaking $858 billion defense funding bill, Uh, The House passed that this week. The Senate is going to uh, vote on it. You voted against the NDAA, the defense bill, last time around. Will you do so again? Yes, I think I will. Look, we have uh, we have 85 million Americans who have no health insurance. We have 600,000 people who are homeless. Uh, We have a dysfunctional health care system, dysfunctional child care system where working parents are paying $15,000 a year on average for childcare. We have got to start protecting the needs of working families. The Pentagon is the one major agency of government which has never been independently audited. There is massive waste and fraud uh, and cost overruns within that agency. So I think we can have the strong defense that we need without spending the huge amount of money that we're currently spending uh, on the military. I, I want to uh, But I would tell you, Dana, I, yeah. look forward, I look forward very much to becoming uh, chairman of the Health Education uh, Labor Committee. And I want to tell you that in that uh, job, I intend to do everything I can to lower the outrageously high cost of prescription drugs in this, cost, uh, in this country. And we're going to take on the pharmaceutical industry. We're going to take on the insurance industry and try to end the situation where we are the only major country on earth that doesn't guarantee health care to all people. Uh, I remain very concerned, as I said, about child care. I believe that child care in this country should not only be affordable, it should be universal. We've got to deal with student debt. There are enormous crises facing working families, and I hope that the United States Congress, perhaps in some instances in a bipartisan way, will have the courage to deal with the take on the billionaire class who are doing phenomenally well. Corporations enjoying record-breaking profits while working people fall further and further behind. So to my mind, the issue is, will we stand with working families, take on big money? And that's what I hope to do in the next session. Before I I let you go, I want to ask about Iowa and New Hampshire. Uh, You're familiar with those states. You've been there many, many times in your presidential runs. They've always, uh, at least in recent history, gone first in the primary calendar. But now Democrats are trying to move South Carolina first in the nominating calendar, a state I should note that uh, you were beaten in twice. Uh, would South Carolina first in the process be the right thing to do for Democrats? Well, this is a very much, Dana, an inside the Beltway Democratic Party issue. And mm-hmm. a committee has made a recommendation. I'm sure it's going to be debated a whole lot. I'm sure there are 50 states that want to go first. We will see what's happening. But my focus right now Uh, is trying to do what I can to make sure that Congress uh, deals with many of the major issues facing 
working families, and, and that's what I'll be focusing on. We are out of time, but I just have to ask you, you wrote a letter uh, to the president asking about getting paid sick leave to U.S. rail workers. Have you heard back? Not yet, but that is, look, here's another, when you talk yeah. about corporate greed, the rail industry is a perfect manifestation of that, making huge profits, not giving their workers one day of guaranteed paid sick time. That is an outrage. That is an issue we're going to deal with. Thank you. And we'll keep tabs on uh, whether you hear back from the White House. Senator, thank you so much. Appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. And Senator Kirsten Sinema, as you've been hearing, ditches the Democratic Party. Will Democrats punish her if she runs for re-election in two years? That's next. I've registered as an Arizona independent. I know some people might be a little bit surprised by this, but actually, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, a growing number of Arizonans and people like me just don't feel like we fit neatly into one party's box or the other. Welcome back to State of the Union. That was Kirsten Cinema explaining her decision to change her party from Democrat to independent. Let's talk about it with our panel. Good morning, everybody. Uh, Congressman Allred, you uh, are a, a member of Congress, a sitting member of Congress, uh, was in her party. One of your colleagues, uh, Congressman uh, Jamal Bowman, tweeted the following by Felicia after news broke about cinema. He's obviously he's a progressive. He's not upset to see her leave. Um, should Democrats get behind an alternative that's officially on the D column like your, co- your colleague, Ruben Gallego? We'll have a Democrat running. I think what a lot of us who represent districts who got elected by Republicans and independents and proudly did so as Democrats take issue with is the idea that this is about principles when it's really about politics. She was likely going to lose her next primary, and that's why she's doing this. It's not a principled change. She's voted with us, I think, 96% of the time. Uh, so it's not about that. It's about that she saw the writing on the wall politically. And so I think we'll have a Democratic nominee, uh, and I hope that she doesn't try to play spoiler. And Kirsten uh, Soltis-Anderson, on that note, you are a pollster, and you know kind of where the electorate is in Arizona. Could she play spoiler if there's Kirsten Cinema, a Democrat and a Republican on the ballot? Well, if you look at the exit polls from 2022 in Arizona, 40 percent of Arizonans who voted identified themselves as independents, 33 percent Republican, 27 percent Democrat. So if there was any state where you could kind of pull this off and be successful, Arizona might be it. This is the state that gave us folks like John McCain, Jeff Flake, this mavericky streak. The challenge she's going to face is when she says there are a lot of Americans who don't identify with either party. They pick some from column A, some of column B. She's right. But many of those Americans don't necessarily say want to see policies that support the, the, the rich and powerful, et cetera. And that's what the allegations from her Democratic opponents have often been. So there are lots of different ways you can be an independent. It's not clear to me that her particular recipe will resonate a lot with Arizona voters. I totally agree with that. She doesn't fit the Angus King mold uh, or the Bernie Sanders mold. And I think she's going to be out in the cold. This would have been a smarter move for Joe Manchin where no Democrat can be elected in West Virginia than it is for her. Let's talk a bit about Brittany Griner and uh, the remarkable release. Uh, She had a 25, excuse me, she was in in prison and she was uh, released in an exchange with Victor Boot. 25-year sentence is what he was serving, and then he was set free. Um, David Urban, I know that you were trying to help another person who is still held captive, 
uh, in, uh, or in prison in Russia, uh, Paul Whelan, get freed in the final years of the Trump administration. What's your sense, knowing a bit about how all this works, of yeah. not just Brittany Griner, but the potential for Paul Whelan? Yeah, first of all, I'll just say congratulations to, uh, to Roger Carstens, who's just on here in the Biden administration for the good work they did. Um, none of this is very easy. The American people think it's, you know, it's an either or. They, they had a choice. They don't have a choice. You have to negotiate with pe- the Russians. So think about Putin sitting across the table. And, and Vladimir Putin doesn't give you a choice. He said, you can have this or you can have nothing. So it wasn't you could have Paul Whelan. Listen, we'd love to have Paul Whelan home. Um, I know his family would. I know Roger Carson's would. I know the Biden administration would like to have Paul Whelan home. Mm-hmm. And they're going to get him home. But at this point in time, they just couldn't get it done. And, and, and it's very difficult to do. It's not, it's not simply, you know, we don't want Vicky. Uh, we don't want uh, Brittany right now. We want Paul. That's not. That wasn't even on the table. Yeah, uh, I, I applaud what you just said, and it's also good that Carson's is a holdover from the last administration. This is not a right. political partisan job. I just want to amend my last comment. I meant that no Democrat other than Joe Manchin <laughs> be elected. Sorry, Joe. Sorry. Just just give a quick plug. Rogers, a West Point, my West Point classmate, and. And has done an incredible job and uh, it was was served to the Trump administration. But what about the argument that uh, Bob Menendez and others are making that by doing the swap with someone like Victor Boot, that you are encouraging and incentivizing other bad actors from taking Americans? Well, there's a risk of that. I don't think he's totally wrong, but I think he's mostly wrong because I think we want to get Americans back. And what really bothers me is to see some people in whatever party teeing off on this uh, when they should be welcoming Americans back. And I do agree with David totally that, first of all, the negotiator is highly skilled and not a political actor. And second of all, what he got done was uh, heroic. Let me bring you in, uh, Congressman Alred, because you are a, a fellow Baylor athlete. That's right. And uh, I know you've been working on this release. What are your thoughts? Well, we're thrilled to have her home. Uh, in every meeting and briefing that we have with Roger and his team, we also talked about uh, Mr. Whelan and how we have to bring him home. And the White House has been very clear. And you know, I can say from my own you know, information, it's very clear that there was no choice here. It was either bring Brittany home or not. They were putting Paul Whelan in a different bucket. They're treating him uh, as a spy, basically. And you know, I think there's no reason for that. There's no evidence behind that. But that's why it's more difficult uh, to get him home. But we're going to keep working on it. And I think you did a great job in that interview with him. It seems to me that you know, we have some hope uh, that we can bring him home. Yeah, more hope than I yeah. thought. Yeah, he said there are always cards, which I thought w- was really interesting. I just want to quickly turn to what's going on in the House of Representatives and in your party, in the GOP. Uh, the whole question of Kevin McCarthy, whether or not uh, the never Kevin group of Republicans are going to... Uh, win the day and refuse to support him. I want you to listen to what he said uh, this week about getting the votes. So, you know, you're having discussions with these five members? I'm having discussions with a lot of members. You have with members these five people, are they oh, yes. open to, to coming over to your side? I, I think a number of them are, are requesting certain things and we're discussing. But the one thing most people have to understand, if one person wants something, you have, you have to have 218 within a conference come together. 
He's in a very tough position, but he benefits from the fact that there is not a real viable alternative. This is not a job that everyone in the House Republican conference is clamoring for. It's going to be a very, very challenging two years for whoever is elected Speaker of the House. And so to the extent that those who are this sort of never Kevin group have not yet been able to field an alternative who could get even a teeny tiny fraction Mm. of the Republican conference, I think it, it puts him in a very tough, the math is very challenging, but he benefits greatly from the fact that there is not a, a great viable alternative. You're the one at the table who has a vote yeah. uh, in January. We will not be voting for Kevin. Oh, will not be for Kevin. You heard it here first. But <laughs> if Republicans can't come to a consensus, can you see yourself voting for a bipartisan consensus candidate? Is that even Did you the vote realm? for a Republican? Come on. Any or, Republican? Listen, I'm a moderate. I would, I'd love to That's have somebody I mean. as the speaker who could bring the whole House together. Is there any Republican you can you know, think I of? I agree with Chris. I don't think that there's a... You can't beat something with nothing. I'll also say this... I think this is not a West Wing episode. It's likely that he's going to get the votes, okay? But he's going to be the weakest speaker in modern history. I I think we're going to sorely miss Nancy Pelosi. Uh, And I think Kevin's show, well, I'm going to sorely miss Nancy Pelosi. She kept the place going in it. And it made it much less of a circus than it could become. And I, I'm just saying, I wrote an op-ed last week that Joe Biden personally could make a big difference if he had office hours on the Hill and tried yeah. to work with everybody just, uh, to resolve. And just remember, every single one of you, you don't have to be a member of the House to be Speaker. Anyone Listen, all right. Run. Okay. Yeah. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin McCarthy's right. right. He's going to be Speaker. We no, got to no, go. Sure. Thank you so much. Great discussion. And she grew up alongside the Biden family. Now she's the president's point woman behind his bipartisan deals in Congress, her first TV interview is next. probably don't know her name, but she's a driving force behind the bipartisan Biden agenda. It's our latest installment of our series, Badass Women of Washington. You work in the White House? Yes. But you spend most of your time here. Um, yes, I do. I do. As President Biden's director of legislative affairs, Louisa Terrell shuttles up and down Pennsylvania Avenue, pushing the president's agenda in Congress. So nice to see see you. you. Thanks for making time. Of course. You're sort of doing hearing in from what's happening on Capitol Hill, making sure we're responding, make sure we're being proactive and really just um, being helpful to the president. While the president often touts his record of legislative compromise, it's Terrell who walks the halls of Congress to help make that happen. And though she's well known on the Hill... Hi, my dear friend. She's always kept a low public profile. This is her first television interview ever. People from the outside in might look at your job and say, wow, to try to break through on Capitol Hill, which is so divided, mm-hmm. how do you do that without losing your mind? <laughs> um, well, there's moments of losing your mind, definitely, at all jobs. I totally concede that. You have to bring in folks that work with you that have relationships with Republicans and Democrats. Um, and the president, I think, has put out an agenda that has a lot of entry points. That's produced some notable bipartisan wins, like a $1.2 trillion infrastructure bill, legislation to protect same-sex and interracial marriage, and the first major gun safety bill in decades. But she says every bill that became law is a victory. You know, there's about 200 bipartisan bills that we've moved through over the past two years. They may not be the things that capture a headline, but they're solving a problem. And to 
some set of members on the House and the Senate side, that is years of work. Terrell relies on her own years of work and experience on Capitol Hill, beginning more than 20 years ago, working for then-Senator Biden when he was a member of the Judiciary Committee. I was definitely the new gal, right? Like super smart lawyers clerking for Court of Appeals and Supreme Court and inside sort of jokes and world that they all came from. And I, I really felt like the gal from Delaware. Not just any gal from Delaware. The person here at the White House you have known the longest is the president himself. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's true. I met um, Bo Biden in kindergarten and we were both five. It is like a very quick bike ride from my house to where Bo um, grew up. So we were childhood friends, stayed friends, um, you know, for years um, all through our adulthood. So you grew up going to your friend's dad's house, who right. now happens to be your boss, who happens to be the right. president. Right. Being connected that way, I think, kind of you know where the person came from, and I think that helps, I don't know, it brings a warmth to, to the work, and that's, I feel very, very lucky about that. She says being a lifelong friend of Bo Biden, who died of a brain tumor in 2015, brings something even more special to her job. There's always this other question of what would Bo do, and I think of those things as kind of intertwined, and they're part of the background driver of how we do the work. If we get them in early, then, then hopefully that'll kind of help us. She also thinks a lot about her role as a senior woman in the administration. I had the job in the Obama administration when my kids were, I would say like around six and eight or four and six. It's all a little bit of a blur. Um, But I really remember so much of what that job was like when I was having that, had to take a deep breath and have a whole second shift when I came home about what I called bed, bath and beyond that had to happen. Um, And I look at the, um, the women on my team and know that that's part of their lived experience every day. You really have to remember about how long their days and their nights are, and then to think about the kind of performance and the kind of 100% they're giving at the office every day. I really, I have just a lot of admiration. For all of Biden's legislative successes, there are some big losses. His sweeping Build Back Better package was scuttled by members of his own party. And now they're preparing for the Republican takeover of the House, bracing for congressional investigations of Biden officials. The perspective of the president and the team here is you can't let that kind of swamp the boat and to not be distracted. But she insists her team is ready for divided government. The kind of relationships you have with Republicans, we've been working on them the whole time. So it won't feel like we're parachuting in. It'll just be like feel like a chapter two. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.